You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. When the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy toward her, and they rejoiced with her. When they came on the eighth day to circumcise the child, they were going to call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said in reply, No, he will be called John. But they answered her, There is no one among your relatives who has this name. So they made signs asking his father what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, John is his name. And all were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue freed, and he spoke, blessing God. Then fear came upon all their neighbors, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What then will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The responsorial words we spoke after each verse of Psalm 25 today is actually from the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus describing the great trials at the end of time and that we should keep our calm, our serenity. And the motivation he gives and the appeal he makes to us is lift up your heads and see. Your redemption is near at hand. And so this verse is very appropriate also when we contemplate the coming of the Messiah in his birth in Bethlehem. The words of Malachi I find very touching. We're witnessing in the gospel uh, the account of a boy's birth, a baby boy. He's a boy. It's a boy. And they don't accept the mother's Indication that he has to be named John. And so they require Zechariah to uh, declare the name. And he has to make signs and write it because he is deaf and dumb. They have to make signs. Why do they make signs to him? Well, he can't hear. So deaf and dumbness go together. And I had never really thought too much about him being dumb also and not just being deaf. So he had also, if you will, a pregnancy of nine months, (laughs) learning to appreciate the Lord's doing in his life and in his wife, and learning to that, that humility before God. And then the Messiah is coming. Why is he coming? For us and for our salvation. That's the basic... Uh, headline of the reason for the incarnation, the reason for our 
for the whole mystery of Christ. And here we find one of the gifts that the Messiah brings. And we find it, I would like to emphasize, especially these lines which touch my heart every time they're also used in Lent about the process of conversion. So the day of the Lord, when the, before the day of the Lord comes, the prophet Elijah comes to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Actually, today I heard a little bit of a story of the hurt nature of two people who don't uh, have, who have very hard time to get along. And both people come from families that are very broken. And I think this, or were very broken when they were children, I think this is a very widespread phenomenon. If we just think of, let's say, World War I, that's when my father was born, 1917. And his mother died as a result of World War I through the Spanish flu, so-called, which it's understood to have been uh, uh, you know, provoked by all of the uh, many different factors coming from the war. And so <clears throat> uh, in that war, there were scores of millions killed. And the population wasn't near where it is in our world today or in Europe at that time. And just imagine how close that violent death entered so many families. And maybe it was an uncle or a cousin. It was in the family, the bigger family. And how many people were touched by that. And then we go to World War II, one generation later, not even a generation, 1917, 1939, yeah, 22 years later. So 1918, 1939, 21 years later. It's a very short generation. Usually we say about three generations to a century, and there you have um, 21 years. So <clears throat> uh, then in that context, we have again scores of millions dying and being wounded, because we had all the wounded as well. The casualties of war were so serious. And then it's not just for those who were killed in the families, but all the soldiers who came home having carried out military action against populations. Carried out destructive actions against homes and factories and schools and cities. And so they come back victorious are surviving, but they're coming back with a lot of trauma. And we just think that in our 20th century, I'm from the 20th century, born in the middle of the 20th century, uh, how much brokenness hit the family, just from the two wars. And then there was the depression, the suffering that happened during the depression, the Dust Bowl in the, in the US, the great destruction of agriculture, and all the other things that happened around the world. And so many wars since then, think of what the damage Vietnam War did. Uh, think also that the military regimes many times uh, give the soldiers drugs so that they become looser to do their military job. And this is a very hard reality. 
And then all of the consequences that happened after all of these horrible experiences, uh, a lot of tensions are in people's lives. And there can be bursts of anger and many breakdowns, nervous breakdowns, trauma that's never spoken about. I know from a few of the little facts from the Second World War that most of these uh, soldiers never talked about it at home, what they had seen, uh, what they had done. It stayed inside of them. And so there was a lot of major damage done. And that showed up in the families. And then we have so many other factors that have caused damage. I'm not saying this to create a spirit of pessimism. I think what we need to do here is to take stock of the widespread nature of the woundedness of our people. And we need the healing of salvation. And this line of Malachi, Lo, I will send you Elijah the prophet. You know, Elijah then is seen in Christian in the, in the New Testament as actually being that role fulfilled by John the Baptist. And to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. So if you have a broken dad, a hurt mom, uh, moms that had to be at home during the war, taking care of the farm, the work, the kids, uh, doing wartime effort, um, the burden that was on them, raising their kids without their dad, he was killed in action or he came home disabled. <clears throat> so much pressure. And then the children felt that pressure. Sometimes the parents maybe weren't able to deal with it. Um, and so what do we do today in all of that? We need salvation. And where does it stop? And I think it doesn't stop until Calvary. And that's where Jesus <clears throat> takes all the same beating, but doesn't hate. And he doesn't agree with the violence. And he offers atonement to the Father. And he asks for forgiveness for his persecutors. And he introduces as the Son with his heart totally turned to the Father, the heart, Father's heart totally turned to him, he offers atonement. <clears throat> and then through that, we have an example, first of all. But we also have a gift of grace. And we are baptized as members of Christ's body. We receive the gift of forgiveness for our sins. We don't have to carry it. We can go to God and say, I'm sorry, give me a fresh start. That's one of the beautiful practices before Christmas and Easter to go to the sacrament of reconciliation, to receive a complete, full reconciliation with God. What a beautiful gift. And it's available. And that doesn't have to be on us. We can be free of that. And that's a lessening of the burden we carry. We will still have some brokenness in us, but we will also have major relief. And if we have major relief, we can better help. We can better forgive. We can more easily say when somebody hurts us, Father, forgive them. We can be merciful toward them. We can ask for their healing. We can ask for, and this is the beginning of salvation. And the family unit, the parents and children, hearts of parents for their children, the children for their parents, this is the basic of society. Because then if we have parents and children in good relationship, there's a good chance the siblings can learn to forgive. 
that the siblings can learn to bear the burden of the other sibling that sometimes can be selfish or difficult or sick. And so little by little we can now with the cousins we can be better because our family is a bit more functional and our greater family can become a bit more functional. Our neighbors can receive the goodness from our homes. We're on the path of salvation. Pope Francis made an, um, a beautiful, gives a beautiful metaphor for the church. We are a field hospital in a very dysfunctional situation in society. And so we need to have that little bit of strength. And that's why we come to Mass, to receive the strength of the Eucharist, to pray together, to bring God's blessing. And this is the work of the Messiah, and it's an ongoing work, and there's so much to do today. May the Lord bless us and strengthen us, and let us share in the joy of Elizabeth and Zechariah as we welcome John the Baptist and prepare to welcome Jesus. Lift up your heads and see your redemption is near at hand. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.